All right, well, it is, it is a bit surreal here this morning. Um, just coming back to Rock Valley Bible Church, it's, it's good to see you all. Um, masks coming in, it's just strange. I remember one time going to a baptism service, and uh, pastor was like all decked out in just some like white robe, and they kind of had a, had a baptismal font kind of right in the middle of the the auditorium, and he just kind of looked funny, and he said, you know what, this is just funny, just get over it, is kind of what he said, and so I feel like that's uh, what we're doing with the Mass, we're just kind of getting over it, that's the game we're playing, it's what, what we're doing, I, I'm encouraged to see all of you, so we've been gone all summer long, um, this is our, our first Sunday back, and so I've just met some visitors, um, people who, some, Ron and uh, Carol, I haven't seen you guys in 15 years or so. Good to see you. They're here kayaking. Come. Don't know any of your children, but glad to have you. Met some other folks for the first time. Um, just Jake and Lorinda finally touched you in person, I think, as I shook you. I don't think I've ever, you know, I think you've come after COVID started. And I kind of think so. We were here a couple times, as I remember. Um, but just kind of strange. Um, and uh, what I, what I want to do, just first Sunday back at church, I just want to kind of ramble for a bit here this morning. Um, you know, I just, I've been gone for so long, and uh, an exposition of a singular pastor's scripture is not going to happen today, but that will happen next week as we open up the book of Acts. We're going to start Acts chapter 1, verse 1. We're just going to start plowing through that book together, but I felt it would be kind of weird if I just kind of came back in and we just jump right into that. I, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, just talk to you a little bit about some things we learned. Um, one of my, my, uh, my, my vision kind of for this Sunday back was have my sermon entitled, um, What I Learned on Sabbatical. Um, and essentially, that's what it is. Worship in the Word is what I'm going to talk about. Just, just two things I've kind of learned um, during our, our, our time away. Um, but I, I think, first though, before we get into that, I just want to express my thanks to God for being able to um, have... Some time away, which is very helpful after 20 years of church ministry. I want to thank the leadership of the church, Darren and, and Brian and uh, Ryan and Ray. Uh, just tell you, they've been nothing but supportive, supportive of us before and during sabbatical. I hope they're supportive of us after sabbatical is what my, my hope would be. That was a joke. That was supposed to be funny, but... <laughs> um, and I notice I'm gone, their work increases. Uh, administrative responsibilities increase, counseling responsibilities increase, leadership, preaching responsibilities. And I'm very thankful um, for allowing us to do, and thankful that it was their idea, come to me rather than my idea, and just that's very helpful. Um, thankful for all those who preached, uh, the elders, as well as Troy and Will and Dave um, Dahan and Eric Mock. And, and just, uh, you know, 13 weeks without preaching, and I, I told Yvonne I'm enjoying my Saturday. Every Saturday, I think I did that without, without mentioning, like, okay, here's a Saturday. My mind isn't just consumed with what I'm going to say this day. And just that was, was helpful. I um, just want to thank you as a church that you care for me, you care uh, about me, you're willing to give us our, our time a- away and uh, just, just our sabbatical was a refreshing time. It was uh, helpful to clear our minds, re- relax, enjoy one another, long hours, 
Um, very helpful for our marriage. Um, in fact, it was really nice. We didn't really have any sort of time crunch many times. And uh, I just sensed today trying to get to church. <laughs> we've had the most tension this morning in getting to church than we've had in three months because finally there's a, a time and we've got to get to church and we're not there. And um, So it's just been good. I think it's one of the happier seasons of our marriage, just kind of being together without agenda. We, our agenda was really to serve Avon's parents in California, <clears throat> just help them with whatever, whatever they, they needed. And it was uh, very timely. Uh, I had someone ask me this week if I have been, uh, and, and the person said, how do you say um, maybe sabbaticalized? Have you been sabbaticalized? And uh, I think we have been. I say Yvonne and I, we have been. Because Yvonne, as we talked with other people, uh, she constantly referred to how it was our sabbatical. And it really was a, a great time together. We also, our, our whole family uh, made it to California at one time or another to visit uh, Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, David stayed the longest. Uh, he was there about two months with us. I think so, David. Yes. Um, uh, the others came out for a short time. Krissa and SR and Steffi all made it out. Hannah made it out twice. She drove with us out, flew back, and then flew out, and then uh, flew back with uh, Steffi and David. I'm thankful that we have kids to whom we can entrust our house. Um, Hannah ran the show. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> you did a, a great job taking care of Stephanie and uh, and David, one, one of the fun things that they did when they were gone is that they tried to uh, keep the food bill as little as possible. And uh, so they were spending, what, like $25 a week on food, something like that. And uh, what they did was they were playing famine in our house and just going into the, the pantry and into the freezer. Uh, Yvonne got some groceries the other day, and so I grabbed the groceries, went downstairs into our freezer, and it was like empty. It was really amazing as they were trying to just be frugal and just kind of use everything up, and um, they did a, a great job of that. Um, Chris and Caleb made it out uh, to backpack with us. We, uh, we hiked the Tahoe Rim Trail 170 miles uh, around uh, Lake Tahoe over 13 days, um, and I've, I've, some of you kind of come up and ask me about those. If you're interested in learning about those on, on my YouTube channel, I've been making daily videos about them. We had 13 days. I've made 10 videos so far, kind of just working on those, kind of give you an idea about what it was, a physical challenge. Um, it was really, really encouraging. But this summer, we got to spend time with our kids, uh, relaxed, unhurried, and was, was helpful. Uh, just in light of our trip, we started in Illinois, <clears throat> made it in one day to Durango, Colorado, and I think that was a 20-hour drive. And so we left really early and got there really late. But we went there because that's where SR is living. He's settling down there. Um, he's getting married to Jenna in October. So we plan on going out there for the wedding. And so it's good to meet Jenna, Jenna's parents, her extended family, and to help understand SR's new adopted family as he will be out there. It's really weird as we're meeting all these family members like SR. As he's staying in Durango is going to like have all of these people as his family. And uh, I'm sure just all of you, as your kids grow up, they will go and you will meet extended family um, other times as well. But super encouraged by how the Lord's working in Jenna's family. It's really nothing short of revival. Um, many of them are coming to understand the gospel for the first time. 
They, they've been caught up in years of, of legalistic churches, the Church of Christ, uh, just these small little pockets that separate over everything. Um, one, of the, one of the things they talk about was, well, as long as you have two people, you can have a church because they're separating over all these, different docu- uh, all these different doctrines, and they're all just like super small but super legalistic where they pay lip service to the sacrifice of Jesus but heavy emphasis upon how you need to work out your salvation, your way to heaven by being good enough. Assurance of salvation is just not there, but now they're coming to embrace the finished work of Jesus and embrace the forgiveness that's in him and that he accomplished your salvation once for all, embracing him by faith. And, and they have a renewed zeal to live for the, the glory of God. And, and all this happened like the last couple years and, and particularly even we were had dinner with one family and and uh, the wife was talking about how she just come to understand election, just even in recent days, and just, just God's predestination, just coming to understand that, and her eyes are being opened afresh. And it's just super to see their love and, and zeal for God, and we look forward to visiting with them in the future. We were in Durango about a week or so, and then we went up to California, where just because of the coronavirus, it was all just, um, who knows, quarantined ourselves for some time. And then we were able to return to Yvonne's parents, and uh, during our time there, we took some side trips uh, just up different places. One of them was like our our Lake Tahoe hike, but it was a huge blessing. It it was interesting to see the sovereignty of God working things out. Uh, So we're talking with uh, Lola, Yvonne's mom, early on in March when the coronavirus really hit. The world was in lockdown. Everything is filled with uncertainty, and uh, we're talking with Yvonne's parents and particularly his her mom and and lola said in tears in her eyes could could you just delay your sabbatical until next summer and uh, just we've been planning this for a year and a half and we said no it's going to be this summer and and she was thinking oh, we might not be able to spend any time with her at all we just didn't know and little did we know how much older folks at risk needed us to be around in the summer and, and then of any summer that we could have chosen to take a sabbatical, like this would have been the most important. As they, their whole social um, aspect of life was greatly reduced. Um, and so they're online with more people, but it really couldn't be with so many people. But it was a perfect time for us to spend a long time with them. God knew exactly what we needed, that they would be helped this summer beyond any just with our, our presence toward them. Uh, and then, so after our, our weeks in California, we then came back to Durango um, for five days with Jenna's family and, and returned home. And we returned home on Tuesday evening and trying to get adjusted uh, back since then. And uh, I do look forward to touching with base with all of you at some point. Want to hear about your summer? Want to hear about what, what you've been doing? It's good. See, I saw some of you at the Stokites yesterday as so we're helping clean up a tree that that came down, um, that they cut down a couple trees, and so that was good. Uh, we have a picnic today at 5 o'clock, the Weekly Word said. I didn't know anything about that, so until, Ryan, you sent that out, wherever Ryan is, Ryan sent it out, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess we have a picnic, and so, like, welcome to the club of, of not knowing what's going on in church. That was, was wonderful, but we plan to be here at 5 o'clock. I'd love to uh, play some games with you um, and to hear about just what you've been experienced this summer. Oh, well, this morning I just want to share a few reflections about my time away. I just think you see the sovereignty of God. We saw that. My message is entitled Worship in the Word because I want to talk about those two things, worship and the Word. And so my, my uh, outline this morning is, is twofold. First the worship and then Word. Just learned a lot about worship 
um, I think mostly just being away. Um, you know, when we left in May, um, think about what church was like. Anybody remember what church was like? Just online only, right? And, and we had Zoom church, right? So we had about 50 devices, devices connected at church, and they were all over. And we had visitors coming in from all over the world, whether Jake Schwartz from uh, Russia, or we had Tim Michelet come from Thailand, um, and we had, we had others as well. But Zoom church, we remember our greetings videos and just the fun we had with those and just all of that effort just to keep us together because we couldn't do this. We couldn't gather together. Um, and it's interesting that with us then going out to Durango, going out to California, California is a bit more strict than is here. And also, we're with uh, Avon's parents who are older and more at risk, and so for them, it's uh, more difficult. I think it's better even that they stay away uh, from church a, a little bit. And because of California's response to this coronavirus, this morning, since March, marks the fourth worship service that we've been at since March, um, which is really kind of a astonishing. It's really on the second time that we've been able to be with God's people in a building. Because California opened up for three weeks, you had to sign up in order to get in, and uh, Afon's folks didn't go. And then after that, we had two outdoor services at like four o'clock in the afternoon, um, and then we had uh, two. Then we had one indoor service in Durango, and um, I, I just say that is I've missed more church in uh, in this summer than I've missed really in my entire life, as I've mentioned before. Like just from from birth. Just we've been church-going people, and uh, so just kind of a, a habit that has been in my my own life, and so only being indoors twice, and, and I feel like I, I've learned some things about kind of being separated, um, and I think about we do have a long way to go till we get back to normal, uh, don't we? I think there's, there's a long way to to go back, and I'm looking forward to to thinking through how we'll walk together in unity as we strive daily to walk with Jesus, encouraging one another along the way. And uh, it's going to be a, a road. Um, how we're going to open up other things, you know, do other things in ministry, is going to be a great opportunity for us to evaluate. Well, here's something we've done in the past. Do we need to do it? Should we do it? How do we do it? And, and all that of, of what opens up. But uh, I just say, having been gone for so much, I, I've learned, uh, so, so learned some things about worship. First of all, it's wonderful that we can worship online, right? I mean, if this coronavirus would have hit and the world would have shut down 15 years ago, it would have been totally different uh, than, than today. Um, I watched a lot of church services online. Um, so it was good for me. I, I anticipate going out to California, we're going to visit these churches and you know, root ourselves where Ray and Lola are at Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill, California, but still like go out to these other churches and see and learn from them. And and in some regards, we didn't do that. In other regards, online, man, we turned, tuned into lots of services. There were Sundays where I would tune into three different services. And we'd sit there and we'd, we'd watch them. But one of the things I've learned that's so vastly different and in person than online, and, and you guys know that, and maybe I'm preaching the choir in some regards, but the engagement's not there. And, and I know you've probably experienced this, but, you know, when you're at home, is it difficult to sing? Right? Particularly if you're just a few, it's difficult to sing. I can only imagine Virginia, you at home, and you're singing there, and, and um, how that goes, or Bonnie, you know, just alone, or even just with us, a few, it's, it's, it's hard. At least in my experience, it's been family ends up just watching other people sing, 
Or the kids get up to take a drink or pour their cereal or go to the bathroom or start talking. And then when you're at home, um, it's difficult to pray. Because if you're watching, and all of a sudden the pastor or whatever, someone up front bows their head to pray. You're like, okay, should I, should I not watch for a little bit now? What if I miss something? Do I shut my eyes? Do I watch it? It's just awkward. You know what I'm talking about? I, I found it awkward. Preaches, and then the pastor preaches a sermon. Someone gets up, preaches a sermon, easily distracted. Right? You just get up. You leave the room. Pastor says something, or you know, the preacher says something. You're like, oh, and they start talking about it because you're not interrupting anything. Right? It's like you're in some cry room, right? Or you're in the the uh, adjacent room. You're just it, it's just different. It's easy to lose focus. And I just say this: online services are hard. It's better than nothing. Praise the Lord that we have that, but it is not the best. It's best to be with people, the people of God, like we are in person, singing together, hearing the word together. Focus together upon God. You don't have distractions here. And that's just a blessing to you. Just to think, just for for a little moment, out of all the busyness of life, all the stuff going on, now you got some time, you can just focus upon the Lord. One of the great words of the Bible is the word throng. It's not used very often. It's really not used often in the Bible, but there are some times. And it captures really what we've missed these past months of... uh, of being apart. Throng means like a, a crowding together of many people. And there are times when the Bible writers talk about just longing for that throng, right? Because they're not getting it, right? When, when they're absent from it, they, they long for it. And when they can't experience it, they go into despair. So in Psalm 42 and verse 4, you can see the psalmist, if you want to open your Bible, you can, but it's not really, it's right there on the screen for you. But Psalm 42, we find uh, the, the psalmist is saying, as the deer pants for the water, so I'm longing for you, right? Just, just longing for God. And the problem is that he's apart from God. And, and being apart from God, he's in, in despair. He's, he's in dis- depression. He's downcast. He's in turmoil. His soul is in anguish. And then in verse 4, like it says, am I up? I'm not up. So maybe you knew. Psalm 42, verse 4. I see it up, up there. If you want to turn back there, you can watch it. But um, um, maybe you need your mask on if you turn back there. I, I don't know. So Psalm 42, verse 4. The psalmist says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng. There it is. right? This, this crowding together many people, going with the throng and, and lead them in procession procession into the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. And in recent months, we've not experienced this. At least I haven't. I mean, this, this, is, this is much fuller than the, the church service that we went to in Durango inside. And when you're outside, you're, you're spread about. But, but by nature, with the, what the government has told us to do is spread out, social distance with masks. It's not this throng together when you're, you're pushed together, but there's something that, that a filled auditorium, though we, aren't, though we aren't a huge church here, there's something that a filled auditorium does to our souls of, of everybody, right? worshiping the Lord, singing in song. And I look forward to the day when we can pack the auditorium like we used to. Like we can overflow. I just I long for that day. Right? And I long for that because I've missed it. I, I've, seen, I, I've seen a lot. I mean, I've seen... Empty auditoriums with people closing their eyes and waving their hands like this and trying to engage you as much as you can. But that's like, they're doing that for nobody. 
except maybe a, it's different when you have a congregation that's together and you're rubbing up against people and you're singing God's praise together in unity. And uh, just the effect that it has upon us is, is, is great. And I say this because the, uh, of all the church services that I watched online, the ones that had the most impact on me were those that are in person, without question. And these were like the last three weeks that we were together. And it's, we just couldn't go to church, right? But now we can, we can go in some regards uh, how we are. And it, it, just, it just made an impact. It was very helpful. Um, and I, I think, you know, we, we went to our last church, uh, First Baptist Church in Durango, Colorado. And uh, the guy's preaching on uh, Lazarus. And he made a great statement there at the end of uh, John 11 when he finished his exposition. He's just thinking about death and resurrection. And he just sat back and reflected about the coronavirus and government and all of this happened to us. And he said, uh, I think maybe God has killed the church, only that it might rise again. And uh, just as I talk and see with people, like attendance at church is down because of they can't come and watching online, but just so it might come back again refreshed. And just like, you know what? I, think, I think, thought he nailed it. I thought it was a good picture. And just even us, we've been wiped out and we're coming back together. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. But one of the fears that I have about church and, and uh, our church in some regards, it's good to see you all here, but, but some regards, the, the greater church is the habits that have been formed since March. I mean, we, we've developed this habit of, of staying away. And it's a, it's a difficult habit to break. Um, in fact, even, isn't that really what, what a habit is? It's just something that you, some pattern of behavior that you develop, that just you do without even thinking about. But now it's like, no, no, I, I, I got to... That's either good or bad, and it could be good habits, it could be bad habits. And as people are away, I, I just fear this, this habit of, of going, staying away um, is, is just going to be a reality with church, many churches. I mean, there are lots of things that make it difficult. Masks make it difficult. Social distancing makes church difficult. I mean, church is about, yeah, coming to worship the Lord, but it's also about each other. It's also about talking with each other and seeing how we're doing. And, and that, quite frankly, is just kind of awkward with a mask on. Uh, maybe we're getting over that in some regards, but some it's just, it's just awkward. And, and now today we'll be able to go outside. It'll be wonderful. Uh, we, masks don't have to be on. We can social distance. We can talk you know, freely without. That's a much easier. But it's just awkward. Maybe we're getting over that a little bit, but it just makes hard. It's so nice to be at home. With your pajamas and your coffee and your donuts. And then, what's interesting for me is I've done online services. We just, we, we log off or the screen just goes dark and then you just kind of go back to your life. Like, instantly. Like, there's no, no transition, right? There's no uh, real, real distance. You're, you're just back into life. And you've done your religious duty. You've, you've listened to some things. And, and I fear that many will not break the habit or the habit would be difficult to break. Now, now, this is nothing new. You turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Just speak about this. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, um, Let us consider how to stimulate, how to stir up or stimulate one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
In the days of the New Testament, there were those who were neglecting meeting together. And the writer called it a habit. He says in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. The frequent repetition of being away on Sunday morning right, just becomes a pattern or your custom. Or whether other things that you used to do with other people at church just becomes your custom. And I remember when Yvonne and I uh, went to our first church service, uh, whatever, three weeks ago. It was an outdoor service. And it took an effort because I kind of really like staying at home. It took a lot of effort to go and to be outside. And for us, right, we had lawn chairs and it was sunny. And so we had hats on and sunglasses on. And we're outside wearing our mask. And so we're, you know, we're, we're just out there and it's kind of weird and awkward. But it took, a, it took an effort to go to this Sunday afternoon church service. Um, why? Because we're in the habit of staying home, just watching church. And even I found like just standing there talking with someone, my legs started hurting because I wasn't just in the habit of standing around talking with other people. And it's not a good habit to be in. Now, I'm thankful um, for those who've tuned in online, right? If they're there, I have no idea how many are are here online for us. Oh, we got 11, 11 of you. (laughs) Good. Welcome. Glad you're here. Um, And and I think about those who are online. Maybe you're out of town. Thanks for joining us. Maybe, hi, Ray and Lola, if you're there. I don't know who's there. Um, And there might be reason why those online should stay at home, right? They're at risk. Or if they're fearful, right? If you're fearful, you're at risk. Don't come to church fearful at all. But maybe, like, online, they're just watching church. You're just watching church because you don't like wearing a mask. I guess, how many of you like wearing a mask? Okay, just zero, zero people like wearing a mask, but, but they have come. Um, and uh, you might be home because of your habit. Just like, oh, this is easier. I'm just going to watch online. I'm just going to come. Well, I just encourage you. It's different here than here on the screen, right? And just the importance of being with, with other people. Um, and I just encourage you. I mean, I'm preaching the choir, right? But I'm preaching to 11 people here, here at home. But I'm just saying that there's a different dynamic of what we're getting here than what we're getting at home. A, a different dynamic than just watching a church. And, and I fear, like for many, though, just watching church is all that they're about. You know, say you go to a bigger church where there's a show and you just kind of come and, and there and, and that's all it's about. But church is far more than just going and watching a show. It, it is. In fact, even think about what the writer says. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. If you just watch a show on a video screen, how can you stir up others to love and good works? You can't. But, but, but church is about being together to stir up others to love and good works. It requires personal interaction. And I know it's exhausting. Yvonne was talking with a friend yesterday who loves the online church experience. She says, super relaxing. Just watching church at home with coffee in hand in the comfort of her own house. And one of the things that she has now gone back to church and uh, whatever, whatever level that is, uh, I think mostly outside at, at this point, she finds Sunday mornings with the congregation is very exhausting. Um, as she pours out herself into other people on Sunday mornings, she found that when she just watched online on Sunday morning, she didn't need a nap on Sunday but now that she's begun to go back, it's exhausting so much so as she pours herself out trying, as Hebrews 10.24 says, trying to stir up others to love and good works. She finds that when she comes home now, 
she needs to take a nap on Sunday mornings. So it's kind of like, what, what do you do? Like if I, I go there, not only is it exhausting and it's difficult and I'm tired and I come back home and just all this time wiped out, but, but it is about stirring up others to love and good deeds. And also just I think what it does to your soul about just sitting and focus or re- remembering why it is we do what we do. We do what we do because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of sin. There's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We are free to love and serve him with all of our hearts for all of our lives. So I just encourage you, right, when, when the church meets, right, break this habit of just staying at home that's been cultivated. And, you know, even as we drove over today, we just saw empty parking lots and a lot of people cultivating this habit. And just encourage you, commend you, right, not to, not to cultivate the habit or get over that habit. And maybe you have, maybe I'm preaching the choir because for me it's only fourth Sunday. I don't even know how long you guys have been meeting together. Outside, you've been outside. You've been together for a lot longer than we have. I'm just saying that's my perspective from not being around to kind of being around. Okay, so that's worship. Let's not talk about the word. I learned that worship about being many months away, and I learned about the word after many months of reading. And I had a bit of time to read this summer, and when I went on my sabbatical, I had a big box of books. I had about uh, 15, maybe 15 to 20 of them. I'm not exactly sure of of books that I wanted to read. And uh, I read read some of them. Um, I I read this biography of of J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite theologians. He's so simple. He was a bishop of Livermore in England in the 1800s, died in 1900. it was just a super, if you read anything at J.C. Rowell, I'll just commend it to you. He's really simple, really helpful. Uh, and I just learned about uh, his life and struggles, that, struggles that, that he had. Uh, I read then another short biography of John Knox, Fearless Faith, written by Steve Lawson. And this book really talked about John Knox and his, his, uh, his effort at the gospel in Scotland during the time of the Reformation. And just uh, his, how he fought hard and the difficulties he experienced in and just making sure the gospel was alive and well in, uh, in Scotland. It was great. I, I read this book, uh, The Insanity of Obedience, really a, a book about persecution, and particularly persecution in foreign lands, and how we as Western missionaries can, can really help people in foreign lands and not hurt them, um, but really come alongside people experiencing a lot of difficulties and hardships, and how walking with Jesus in tough places, all the things he learned from rubbing shoulders with people that persecuted church. That was a, was a great book. And, and uh, then I also read uh, Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. It's a book about counseling. And uh, really the, the thrust of this is that God uses all of us to counsel. That, that all of us are instruments in God's, Redeemer, in God's in the Redeemer's hand to help and influence and counsel others. It's really a, a helpful book on that. And, and then after three weeks of sabbatical, I was well on my way to reading all of my books that I had brought. And then I read another book, and it captured me. And I never got past that book. I didn't pick any up, up any of my other books after that. And the book that captured me was, you guessed it, right? The Bible. Um, and I started day one of my sabbatical reading. I read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And day one, as soon as it w- we got off uh, online on Sunday, I just went out to my office and prayed, and I opened up to Genesis, and I just said, I'm going to just start reading 
And so I had a goal, kind of just read through the whole Bible during my sabbatical, and I uh, actually did. Read the whole Bible in uh, three months, except I didn't, there were some Psalms I missed and some Proverbs I missed, so full disclosure. But essentially I read through the, the whole thing other than that, and I think about how appropriate it was that on my sabbatical that this would be the book that I would really focus on. Uh, turn over to Second Timothy chapter 3. Uh, maybe you've heard this verse before speaks about the inspiration of Scripture. Um, it's one of the first vo- verses that you learn if you study any sort of systematic theology. Uh, it says this, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And we often think about this verse merely in regards to inspiration. Like there it says, it's, it's breathed out, ekpanuma, right? Out of the breath of God, we get the word of God. That means it's, it's God-breathed, it is infallible, it is inspired, it is without error. And oftentimes we can go to this verse, Second Timothy 3.16, and just look at it in terms of the inspiration of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture. We read this, and then we go on to other verses that, that speak about how the Scripture is infallible, how they cannot be broken, and... And um, which is which is wonderful, but we often miss the value of what this verse says. Since the Bible finds its origin in the breath of God, as it says, look again at verse seventeen, um, uh, verse sixteen rather. It, it says that the word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, I mean, I, I learned some good things from these other books I read. I mean, I, I learned about the examples of Knox and Ryle and just how they, they, with fortitude, pressed on to serve the church and to serve Christ. And I, and I learned about uh, right, difficulties and persecution and the insanity of obedience and just obeying when it's really hard and the, the fruit of that. And I learned about just how we all counsel one another, instruments in the Redeemer's hand. And those are all good things I learned. But the Bible is explicitly designed as God breathed it out to teach us and to reprove us, convict us, correct us, train us, confront us, show us our errors, show us our right ways. In fact, in in other words, I think of all the books ever written, the Bible is the most helpful for our own sanctification in purifying us and changing us. And so I, I commend the Bible to all of you as that which works change in our lives. As, it, as, as we're confronted with our, our wrong thinking and it comes to help us think right. Or as, as we confront with our anxieties about the world and what's happening today and our fears. And, and it speaks into that about how God is our comfort. It, it speaks so many ways about how it is that we should act and behave and trust and believe. I love what the, I think it's the fourth question of the Westminster Confession. Said, what does the Bible principally teach? The Bible principally teaches what it is we're to believe about God and what duty he requires of us. Right? Just, just what, what we're to believe and how we're to act. And, and the Bible does that. And I think there's no, other, no better book than the Bible to know to let it do that. But we often miss Paul's audience. Look at verse 17. Paul said this. He says, It's useful, it's profitable for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Paul says the Scriptures is particularly helpful for the man of God. Now, of course, who's the man of God in this reference? It's, it's Timothy, right? 
And, and we see even in verse 15 now, from childhood, he was, a, a, he was acquainted with the writings which his mother and grandmother read to him. And so he, he understood those writings which brought him to salvation. But, but when Paul calls Timothy a man of God, he's pulling back this Old Testament terminology which refers to like, like the prophet of God or the spokesman of God or, or God's representative here on earth, i.e. pastors, elders, preachers, whatever. It's used of Moses and Samuel and David and Elijah and Elisha. It's not used just of, of common people, if you will. And so it's appropriate for me as a man of God, as a pastor, to just saturate myself in the Bible because all inspired and profitable and, and helpful. And so, so what, what I did, just reading the Bible so fast in a short period of time, it was refreshing. I, there were hours I just spent just reading the Scriptures. And I didn't just read like this. I didn't just fan through the pages and go, Ooh. I didn't do that, okay? You can do that in about three minutes, all right? Um, I, I read them over and over and over again. Same chapters. I mean, there are some times where I read the same chapter four or five times trying to figure out what it was. And, and, and the reason for that is because after I read every chapter, I wrote a summary about what that chapter was talking about. And um, I, I, I wrote it down. And every chapter in the Bible, just kind of wrote as, as a brief summary as I could. And then I put it together in a little booklet that I wrote um, over this, this summer. So here's Genesis right here. Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And here's Exodus. And here's Leviticus. And here's Numbers. And here's Deuteronomy. And Joshua, Judges. And uh, Ruth just gets a little bit because only four chapters. But I, I went through and, and really, and, and particularly some of the strong, most difficult ones was Song of Solomon. Like how do you, how do you characterize that? It's just so, so difficult. Um, Proverbs, though, I, I, I cheated because it was Proverbs 10 through 22, the Proverbs of Solomon, because I figured I, don't, I have no idea how to summarize the Proverbs because they're all over, all over the place. But going through Ezekiel and Daniel and Jeremiah, just thinking about what each chapter is really talking about, and what was, was very, very helpful uh, for me, and, and, and so the help is that for years to come, uh, this booklet is going to be sitting in my Bible, with my Bible, next to me. Just even thinking about hearing a verse and, uh, you know, 2 Timothy, so I can look up 2 Timothy and see what 2 Timothy 3 is talking about, right? Here's my summary. Difficult times will come, just like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In the end times, difficult times will come. Stay faithful to your upbringing and to the Scriptures. Just kind of helping, just kind of putting that chapter in. And over, over the years, I know that I'm going to work on memorizing some of this. In fact, I've done this work before. Um, before I was a pastor... Um, I got through about the Pentateuch and then about 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And then I became a pastor, whatever, 20 years ago and kind of put that work on the shelf. And I really haven't got back to it, but I've been able to get back to it now that I just haven't had a lot of sermons to produce. It's something really easy to produce. It's a, it's a lot of work, but I think it's very helpful for me in understanding the Scriptures and I bring this to you because I would commend this to you and encourage you all to write the same book. Just so I've learned about the Word. A little book, it took me three months. It might take you five years, okay? But that's okay. That's okay. It, it, it's a sort of booklet that we, you, you would do well to write. Not because, um, not because this is good, 
but more because the process of you working through the book, working through a chapter of the Scripture to summarize it, to write it down how you would remember it, would be helpful. So the, the reading and the rereading and the rereading and trying to take everything in the chapter and summarize it down would be helpful for you. We, we had dinner with some old friends from uh, college um, uh, when we were uh, out there in California, and uh, this man was discipling uh, another guy in church, and um, the guy had a MacArthur Study Bible, and basically he said, uh, well, why do I need to study the Bible? I just need to read what MacArthur says, because he's right, and I just kind of just need to know what he does. And, and my, my friend was just like in agony over that, saying that, no, 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 <clears throat> yeah, that might tell you truth, but what you need to do, you need to discover it on your own so it becomes your own. Not so just you hear it from someone else, but you need to see it and embrace it and swallow it and just, just grab it. And so for you, just I encourage you just, just to start and start where things are familiar. Maybe start in the New Testament and just start summarizing. And I know that I've spent a lot of time just memorizing like what happens in chapters of the Bible just because it's helpful. But I've never been able to put it all down until just being freed up this summer and um, just would, would help you and encourage you to do that. Now, some of you might be not be in a position at all to write, to write such a booklet, and I totally understand that, and, and that, is, that is okay, because you need to have some familiarity with the Bible as a whole before you start like, like digging into things. Right? In, in other words, I don't think it helps to be this detailed until you grasp the big picture. Right? So, for instance, when you, when you learn geography, what do you start with? Right? You start with a globe. You start with a world, which is round. Okay? You start, with, you start with a world, and you understand latitude, you understand longitude, you understand axis and how things work. You understand there's land and mountains, and there's oceans and rivers and lakes. It's the globe. That's what you start with. And that's the, the big picture. And then, after you learn a big picture of the globe, then you learn... The continents. Very nice. Do you, do you know the continents? If you're at BBS, you guys know the continents. You ready to sing with me? We've got Asia, Africa, North and South America, Antarctica, Europe, and finally... Very good. Very good. So we got the seven continents. And then after the continents, what do you think you start studying? The countries. You know, there are about 200 countries. I don't know the countries, okay? I know that my, my nephew knows all the countries, some 200 of them. But after you know a bit about the countries, then you understand the states and the cities. And, and, and what I have done with this booklet is I've looked at the cities, okay? Each chapter is like a, is like a city. In fact, I've visited these cities. And isn't there something about if you go to a city someplace, then all of a sudden, right, the, the state and the country and the continent begin to open up to you because you've visited it. And so likewise, I've been to all the cities. I've, I've got this good picture about what's, what's really going on. But when learning the Bible, if, you're not, if, you're, if you don't know the globe, right, if you don't know the continents, you can't, you can't begin this. It's going to overwhelm you. And so similar to the continents, I think um, there's a story of the Bible. Do you know the story of the Bible? If you had to summarize the Bible in a sentence or two, can you summarize it? I think four words help. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. God created a perfect world. 
then we messed it up. We fell with the sin of Adam. And the whole rest of the Bible then tells a story about how Jesus came to redeem that world and redeem people from that world, that in, in glory someday there'll be this restoration. That's like the continents. Creation, fall. Restoration, redemption, restoration. That's like the continents. You know that. You've got you to like know that. Get those four words down. If you don't know those four words, get those words down. And then after grasping that, that big picture about the, the glories of the Bible, the Bible is, is, a, is a novel written to tell us about how messed up we are and how Jesus came to restore that. By just faith and trusting in him, he makes us right. That's what the story of the Bible is about. Well, after the continents, then we need to know the, the, the countries. Those are a little bit like, um, like stages of the Bible. Right? Do you know the stages of the Bible? Okay, some of you kids, I think, know the stages of the Bible. Okay, all of you, right? I preached through a series years ago. Here goes, oh, yes. Twelve stages in the Bible. If you know it, sing along. Let's learn them one by one. Creation, patriarchs, exodus, conquest, judges, kingdom, exile, return, ba-da-da-da-da, silence, gospel, Church and missions. You remember that? Not many of you remember that. Okay. Really, who remembers that? Okay, good. A little bit, a little bit more. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a little bit like the, uh, the stages in the Bible. I mean, maybe like the continents, right? I mean, um, the continents. The first is the, the globe. That's like the big picture. These, these 12 stages are like the seven continents. Um, that, are, that are on. You just need to know that God created a world. And then he, all the world, he chose Abraham to show his grace to him, and he was the patriarch. And then these patriarchs came, and then there was an exodus. Right? There were slaves in Egypt, and they came out of that. Then they conquested the, the promised land. Then came the time of the judges, and then the kingdom, which was united at first, then divided. And then, then the kingdom got exiled off to Babylon. And then they came back, and then for 400 years, God was silent until Jesus came and, and preached the gospel to people. And then the church came, and now we're in an age of missions as that spreads abroad, and someday we'll end someday. That, that's like, you need to know that before you, you start doing this. Do you know that? Do you know, like, the, the foundational books of the Bible? Do you know the books of the Bible? I mean, that's, these, these are like countries. There are 200 countries, and you know 66 books of the Bible. Do you know them? Let's say them out loud. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. If, if you don't know those books of the Bible, know the books of the Bible. Just like the ABCs, without knowing those, you don't know what the Bible's about. So, so learn, just, you get familiar with the Bible. Um, write those down, learn them so you have them in your heart. And uh, do you know what each book of the Bible is about? Can you tell me what Genesis is about? 
Can you tell me what Exodus is about? Can you tell me what, just even in the broadest scope, you need to do that next. Kind of get a broad scope of, of all the books of the Bible. And maybe some even like kind of have a, a broad outline. Oh, like Matthew, right, begins with a genealogy, the birth, the ministry of Jesus, and he preaches some sermons, and he heals some people, and he upsets the religious people, and they eventually come, and they, they kill him, and he's died, and he raised again. He tells us to go and make disciples of the nation. Just, that's Matthew. Can you do that with any book of the Bible? Can you, can you do that with Genesis? There are four people and the four events and four people. It's the creation, the fall, the flood, and the scattering the Tower of Babel. And there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You need to kind of have that kind of broad overview of the Bible. And then when you got all that, when you got all the countries, I just encourage you to take one book at a time and just start plugging away and visiting the cities of that. Um, so learn the story first of the Bible. Learn the stages. And then learn the books, the broad outlines. And then I commend you to try to write a book like this over the next several years. I just say that's what I did, and it's been helpful to me. And I just want to end by commending a final book to you. Um, it's written in 1904 by, by James Gray. I have never seen a physical copy of it, okay? So this is my only copy of, only copy, it's PDF, it's on the internet. So how to master the English Bible. You can, I'm not even sure you can read that. How to master the English Bible is a uh, is, is the book here, and it's made a big impact on me. And one of the things I learned over sabbatical, I started referring this to people. So, like, I hit Durango, and um, was Jenna's cousin, Ethan is his name, and very zealous uh, for the gospel, very zealous for God as he come to realize the, the, the grace of God. And uh, he, he, he asked me, he, we had lunch one day when I was there the first time through. He asked me, he said, what, what do I need to read, or what can I find out? He's trying to figure out these big theological stuff, and I gave him this book, How to Master the English Bible, which basically says, read your Bible. And he was like, oh, because he was reading all these other books about the Bible. But then with this book, it really helped him to read the Bible. And I found my, I just, I'm just on sabbatical, I'm just referring a lot of people to How to Master the English Bible. I've talked with quite a few of you about this book before. Um, but really what what James Gray talks about. Here's how he opens the book. It's a real simple book. I just encourage you, look it up online, How to Master the English Bible, James Gray. It's the only way I've ever read it. And you can just read it online. First 50 pages will really set a good course for you. James Gray says this. This is the very first line of his book. He says, How to Master the English Bible. High-sounding title, that, but does it mean what it says? It is not how to study it, but how to master it. For there's a sense in which the Bible must be mastered before it can be studied, and it is a failure to see this, which accounts for other failures on the part of so many earnest would-be Bible students. I suppose it's something like a farm, for although never a farmer myself, I have always imagined a farmer should know his farm before he attempted to work it. How much upland? How much lowland? How much wood? How much pasture? Where should the orchard be laid out? Where plant my corn, oats, and potatoes? What plot to be seeded down to grass? When he's mastered his farm, he begins to get results from it. Now, there are many ways of studying the Bible, any of which may be good enough in itself, but there's only a way to master it, and it's the Bible itself we are to master, and not books about the Bible. And so, as, as Jenna's cousin was, was coming to, to look to me for all these questions about what to, what to read, I gave him this book. I, whatever, I referred, I, I gave him a link. He started reading this book, and it said it made a huge impact on his life. 
I just, I need to know the Bible better before I try to get and figure out all these, these different theologies and all these different, right, grand things. I just need to learn my Bible better. And uh, I've seen it have an effect on, on several other people before. And, and James Gray basically says, you know what, it, this book is really born out of my own experience. He says, for eight to ten years in ministry, I, uh, I didn't know my Bible very well. And then I encountered uh, just a layman, is what he said. And uh, this guy was just calm. He was at peace. He was steady. He was sure of his faith. And he knew his Bible really well. I said, how did you? Here he is a, a pastor for 10 to 12 years. He says, how did you? How do you have that? How do you know the Bible so well? He says, I read it. And he just says how, how one day, this, this guy said, I read Ephesians over and over and over and over again. He sat by a tree and read Ephesians. This was written in 1904. So they didn't, that's what they did on their, their days. They just kind of read. No TV, no radio. They just kind of read. <laughs> what a blessing that would have been. But he said, I read it through, and the first time was good, and I read it through again, I read it through again. He said, I read it 12, 15 times on that, that Sunday. And he said, I find I got Ephesians. And then he said, no, Ephesians got me. And uh, really, that's what he's talking about, just understanding, right, Ephesians and the flow through Ephesians. And, and then you go on to a next book and to a next book and the next book. And so what I did with Ethan is uh, just I said, you know what, how about we, when I come back through Durango on my way home, how about we just have a little study session? And like I do with leadership resources when I've gone uh, overseas is we had a little uh, uh, LRI session. And so I just commended, let's go through the book of Jonah. So I said, why don't you read the book of Jonah every day? And so he started reading it and reading it and reading it. And he read it like first three days. And I was like, okay. And read the fourth day. He was like, oh, I didn't see that before. The fifth day. Oh, I didn't see that before. Sixth day. A seventh day. And he started seeing things that he never thought before. And I'm like, that's what you got to see. You've got to see over and over again. And now, then we got together and we just went, talked through Jonah over this period of about three hours or so with he and his dad and his cousin. And SR was involved in that. Just this little group. We just went through three hours together, book of Jonah. I'm like, okay, now you've got Jonah. Now what's the next book you're just going to go? And so you, you, write, you write one page on here. You got it. So let's move and let's just write another page. And really, I think it's really helping him, make it a huge impact upon him. And just know it can make a huge impact upon you. It's really helped me as I just set my heart to just read through the scriptures and see God's, uh, God's word help come alive, um, really pursue after. I mean, I saw themes in here, cross-referencing. Just understand, well, just even one little thing that, that, that stood out. God often tells his, uh, his, his men, the men of God, don't fear. Don't fear what they're going to do. Just speak what I tell you to do. It really spoke to my heart. There's one little thing just about courage and just... Just being like all the other people, whether that's Joshua, whether that's Moses, whether it's Elijah, whether it's Elisha, whether it's Ezekiel, whether it's Daniel, just kind of don't fear, just speak what I tell you. Um, and, and just the Bible, just the Bible begins to make its impact. And I just know the Bible will make far more of an impact in your lives than any book I pull off the shelf, any book I commend to you. And so that's really what, what, what I've learned, really going to try to go after and know every city in the Bible. Uh, every chapter is what, what my hope is. So I'm thankful for this time away. Got a little map on back. Got a little chart of the kings uh, that I put in here. Uh, but this is going to be my, my 40-page booklet that I'm going to have and cherish. So just encourage you all. Commend with that. And go by grace. Don't say, oh man, Pastor Steve just laid this huge year-long, years-long burden on me. I'm not trying to do that, but just trying to say, just, just take it at your own pace, wherever you are. 
know the globe first, right? Know the continents, know the countries, know the cities. And when you're ready for the cities, here's a vision of a book that you all can write and would be very good for your souls. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that even we can be back at Rock Valley Bible Church. Um, God, just how, how do I summarize a summer away? And uh, just that's what I've learned of worship being apart from it and the word being in it. And just would pray for Rock Valley Bible Church that Bible would be what we are about, that we would know what the Scripture says, that we would understand it and embrace it, deal with it, love it, God, because it points to Jesus where is our hope and our rest and our trust. And so, God, I, I pray that in weeks and months to come, you might help us, God, to know how to, how to walk in unity here at church. And I pray especially as we start next week in the book of Acts, as we see the, the small church start, um, 120 people, disciples of Jesus, scared and confused, and yet you come on the day of Pentecost and you scatter the gospel all around the world. I pray that you'd come upon us, God, that we as well would, would take your gospel and spread it out to Loves Park and Rockford and southern Wisconsin. And uh, you would use us, God, to impact our, our neighbors for Christ and those who we run up, run up against. So be with us, O oh Lord, I pray, in, in weeks and months to come. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.